0: Just miners on an island somewhere Lord, we got folks in the street Ain't got nothing to eat And the obese beast welfare well, God, if you're five foot three And you're three hundred pounds Taxes ought not to pay For your bags of five drown Till men are putting themselves Six feet in the ground Because all this damn country does Is keep on kicking them down Lord, it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to people like me, people like you. if I could just wake up.
1: Well, no more appropriate song for this show than that one right there. This is Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, joined here today by our roundtable here, Will George from A Day at the Yard Common Sense Pitching with Wiley and Will. Sal Marinella will join us halfway through the show, the hot corner with Coach Sal, and of course the star of this show, Coach and Kernan, Kevin Kernan, America's most beloved sports writer, our resident Hall of Famer. This is episode 334 in the network. Before I bring our guys on, we've got a spirited uh, set of conversations for you today. I just want to thank our audience, 55,000 and growing grassroots MLB front offices, 74 countries. We appreciate your support. Got us on the iHeartRadio, the powerful podcast network. And to show our appreciation if you go on our site and you can get your pen and paper handy right now, we've got Blackout Coffee. Be awake, don't be woke is their slogan right here. Second Amendment supporters, make sure you uh, go to their site and type in the code David, D-A-V-I-D, all capital, the number 20 afterwards. You'll get 20% off when you get to the, the end of the line, your, your checkout line there. And that's a thank you to all of our supporters out there as you've helped drive this program forward. We're going to help you with your coffee needs. And right now I'm drinking my blackout coffee. I know Will is as well. But uh, with that, I want to bring our star of the show, uh, Kevin Kern. And Kevin, welcome back to your show. Guys, welcome.
2: Great to be here. I'm uh, back in uh, Jersey, so I'm a little fired up. So, oh, he's already seen a lot of nonsense from up north, you know, the one person wearing masks and, uh, you know, and slowing up the line. That person's a medical worker. So, uh, you know. I'm glad we're getting all this stuff and uh, Blackout Coffee, good to you and you know we're probably going to rub some people the wrong way so that's life too bad go somewhere else.
1: Yep, yeah, they uh they, Blackout loved our our uh, approach. They asked me what we thought about the slogan about be awake not woke. I said shoot, I'm I'm pissed off about one thing that we didn't find that one first for our slogan here, but uh so a couple a couple of great articles just came out uh one around our playoff and history of it uh with your Ball 9, which we love. I know our audience loves it, and all of baseball loves it because you, you, you speak the truth. Uh, shed a little light on a couple of those art, the last two articles you wrote, and and uh, we can get right into the playoffs, too, some things you saw and heard, especially that MLB radio you listened to this morning.
2: Yeah. it's uh, The last one I wrote was October Art, and I'm going to bring it up a notch here. And by art, I meant October used to be the art of the game. And so all my stuff, like my nickname, AMBS, there's really dual meaning to it. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, I I, I put it this way. I'm not taking, I'm not, I'm not, I'm taking no prisoners now. It's just going to be, you know, like I've always done in my career, shoot from the hip, but the, you know, this whole anti-baseball rules, I wrote about the anti-baseball rules ruling the day of baseball. They still rule it. I mean, how do you have a sport where you play all year, one rule, you know, the stupid Manfred fake runner rule. And then you get to the uh, playoffs and you can't – you don't have it. I don't like the rule. I hate the rule. But it should be one way or the other. It's you either you either are or you aren't. But, like, in life now, people are they, – sometimes they're this. Sometimes they're that. Uh, sometimes they're whatever. Who knows what they are. Sometimes they're, uh, you know, a, a pet frog. So it's uh, – you know, so so basically I just took – I'm just so tired of Manfred's garbage and the nine percent up in rate and uh you know attendance it lowest rated world series ever ever game one and it's because and and the teams are doing the best they can you know i love bochi and uh you know he's he's turned it around his team isn't that great but they're in the world series because they play some baseball other teams don't play baseball so basically this column got a lot of, lot of of um, a lot of people love this column because I I don't even want to go through it. You got to read it. Go to ball dot and read it. And like I said, I'm so old. I remember when winning you know winning the pennant meant something. He's ruined everything about the game, the season, uh, the rules, the stolen base rules. Uh, the, you know everything gets an asterisk now, and uh, you'll never see. A, Will and I talked about this. Uh, you'll never see a World Series shutout again. We we had a conversation the other day about that. Um, and 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 the baseball people, it's driving them nuts. Yes, and now let me get to MLB Radio this morning. I'm fired up right now, and I want to get it out before I forget. This is MLB Radio. This is not, I wish it was MLB Radio or, gee, uh, the MLB is, is fun radio. This is MLB Radio, and I'm listening this morning, and Steve Phillips does a decent job. He tries to be super funny. He's not that funny. You know, I don't need to hear about his Halloween candy and things like that. But I get it. It's great. We do the same thing sometimes. But his his partner, they were talking about the uh, the play where Walker got thrown out. And I want Will to jump right in on it as soon as I'm done. Um, you know, Walker makes the dumbest base running mistake you could ever make. Puts his head down. Doesn't pick up his coach as he crosses third. Because he also got a bad break, bad secondary. All the little things we've talked about. All the little things add up to big things. That's one of the world's great sayings. And and I agree with it a hundred percent. So he, he puts you know, he gets his head down, gets thrown out, and 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 I think the guy's name is you know Jensen Lewis. And, and and again, we all make mistakes. I've been there, I've made mistakes and stuff like that. But the point I want to get to, and it's a small point, but it's a big point. And he's talking about Walker's mistakes, so that's good. He's on it, he you know, he he recognizes it. But he says You know, in that situation, they would have had runners at first and third. Are you even watching the game? Are you watching it? You're talking about the game. You're getting paid good money to talk about the game. First and third, Garcia, he airmailed the throw home. It would have been second and third. It's a small point, but that's what baseball is. It's all about little things. So the lead station for MLB doesn't even know what they're watching when they see things happening. It wouldn't be first and third. It would have been second and third. So it's one of those little things that just drives me insane and I, and, and I don't mind going off on this because no everybody pushes it past you know pushes past it and uh, you know overlooks it. But if I'm going to turn on a MLB radio and talk about hear people talk about the game, I want them to at least know the most basic thing that I learned in Little League. You know, you air mail a throw home, you go to second base. It's not first and third. You'd have a man on second and third. And they did have a man on second. So it's just a small point, but it's a big point. And the problem is there's so many people who don't know anything about the game being pushed up to a level of being experts. They're destroying the game. That's why NFL has a still has a big advantage over MLB and why people watch it, by the way. Because people, most of the people talking about NFL know what they're talking about. Okay, I'm done.
3: Yeah, you know, on, on on that play, I think the one analyst who got it right at the end of the day was Alex Rodriguez at the of end course, of the cause game. Of course,
2: because Alex is a great <laughs> base runner. Well, Alex and I have talked about base running forever. He always checks where the outfielders are, you know. And, and I'll tell you what, Alex, I'm going to say this right now, and I'll, 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 I'll let it go back to you, but a smart team should make Alex a GM right now. I'll tell you what, he'd be a hell of a GM. Alex Rodriguez, the general manager, and uh, let's go.
3: You know, he he made a great point in the post game. He said that ended up being a four run swing.
0: Yep, yep, four um,
3: runs that basically won the game and brought all the momentum back over to Arizona because and of Arizona, course we're talking about
2: Game Three. In ca- in yeah. case you pick up the show later in the
3: week. You know, you know, Texas came out a little bit flat. Uh, Fat was pitching extremely well. Scherzer, you know, we know is a wild card. Uh they had gotten to him, they had hit some balls hard. You know, that play right there, you know, boom, inning over, uh, you know, within a couple pitches after that. And uh Texas comes out, Simeon gets a hit, Seeger hits a home run. It's a four-run swing. You know, I mean, it's it's it it's a big, big momentum swing. And Alex, Alex has really been on his game in the post game. And uh, Dirk Cheater's been good. All those guys have been really good. I will say that I'm a big Smulty fan, but I think Smolty's, you know, going down some rabbit holes that don't make some sense sometimes. You know, last night, uh, you know, Texas was winning three to nothing. They had used three pitchers. And he was saying how much they were in trouble because tomorrow's a bullpen game, while Arizona was on their fifth pitcher. Yeah, and, I agree with you 100%. Well, and you know, like you know, Haney's a guy who started all year is starting, so he actually has some length to start for Texas today. And Mantiple has been a reliever his whole career, so how is Texas in trouble? In the in the sixth inning of that game when they were on their second pitcher, John Gray had come in and done a masterful job of breaking the game. game. Yeah. You know, so I I I'm just, you know, like I said, I'm a big Smolty fan, but I don't know where he's going during the playoffs in the World Series this year. You know, he's going down a lot of different rabbit holes and you know, uh, you know, I mean he made a comment that that if 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 Fat has his slider that goes to the black every pitch. They're going to have a tough day. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, 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 <laughs> I, it, It's like, yeah, I mean, but he's not perfect either. You know, so
2: and they're getting thought, worn down. This is what they're learning because they don't go deep enough in the season. Now all of a sudden they're worn down because you yeah. got to treat him with kid gloves. And by the way, Dave, you can jump in here too. But I want to. I want to compliment the. Uh, the, uh, will and Mark Wiley's uh, show. I, I listened to it yesterday when I was working out uh, with Dom Chidi. All the pitching points you hit were phenomenal. It's it's idiotic the people running baseball right. I will say this right now: the idiots are running baseball across the board. All the little things you talk. How about and it goes back to a point you made in the show. Why are they throwing Seeger a first pitch changeup? I'll tell you why, because it's all about sequencing, and they want to mix them up, and they want to surprise them. You throw your changeup off your fastball, you got to show them the fastball first, right? I mean, he's if you're sitting on a fastball and you get a fat changeup, that's just like sitting on a fastball that is fat. Yeah.
1: That's exactly right. Well, he hit the home run last night after Strom made the visit to the mound. Is, is that correct?
2: Right, yeah, and Strom's so. the best. Let's yeah. go right here and there. Strom is the best, but they're all getting influenced by these analytics. And the the other thing is with John Gray, nobody asked him this, and I know they got a team of reporters there and guys I know forever, and I like Voducchi Rosenthal, uh, but but he he just went fastball slider and he was dominant. Well, well, maybe you
3: should do that in your real life when you're a real pitcher starting games too. You know, I mean, it, I you know, it's uh, a joke. I think Dominic Dominic talked about that the other day. You know, uh, if you go out with two pitches that you're commanding and they're two plus pitches, you're gonna have a really, really you're gonna be really good. At three, you're gonna be an (laughs) all-star. And, you know, uh, you know, and and I think I've talked about this a lot, you know, that this year I saw a bunch of Tampa in spring training and talked to guys who cover their organizations and one of the things that one of the reasons they've done so well with their pitching, they take what guys can do and they make it the best that they can do. If they have a, uh, a little bit above average fastball, be able to command that and you have a plus curveball, be able to throw that for strikes and execute it. Now, all of a sudden, you're a pretty damn good pitcher because the important thing is you're executing two pitches that are above average major league pitches. Um, hitting is hard hitting is hard for you know and, and like pitching has become scared you know like the greatest guys in the game still make out 7 out of 10 times all the guys in the hall of fame make more outs than they get hits
2: everybody's so, scared now Managers, managing has become scared
3: yeah, pitching has why become are scared. we scared right. when we have a weapon of an above average fastball and an above average curveball that if I execute a good pitch to this hitter's weaknesses and I sequence well and change speeds and have a little bit of creativity, I can go through a lineup easily one time through.
2: Well, and getting back to Fat, too, the uh, the, the kid pitcher, um, again, listening to the radio on my way to the bagel shop, it just got me fired up, MLB radio. They were talking about the, the hit that Simeon got. It was a really good pitch. Uh, it was a really good pitch. That's what the, the, our, our MLB uh, Announcer there said on on the show, it was so terrible. If you've been watching the games and watching swings, Simeon, he lives off the inner half of the plate. Throw the outer half. That's how. That's why he's not getting any hits in the play in the postseason. But again, we got to listen to the experts tell us it was a really good pitch. So the general person now, who maybe just turns that on and doesn't know baseball like we know baseball, is saying, "Well, that guy threw a good pitch. I'm I'm surprised he hit it." No, start calling people out and, and getting back to Smoltz. Here's what's happened. Here's my theory on Smoltz, because, again, I'm in the media. I know all these guys. I've been around him forever. He wants to be such an expert. He is totally locked in so much on the pitching. He sees nothing else in the game anymore. He doesn't see what's right. happening all over the game. He doesn't talk about it. Garcia, he blows out an oblique, and we'll get to that later and And they go right to commercial, and we don't we don't see anything about it for like five minutes, six minutes later, and they don't even talk about it when they come back. They don't even watch the game anymore uh two games ago, uh what's his name? Longoria puts down the stupid bunt, you know, and uh, it moves the guy over, but you know to his to his I, I give him credit toy Lovello, you they, they 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 shoot to uh, the dugout picture and Lovello is talking to him, and you can see he's telling him basically, hey, we don't want you bunning. Uh, you know, and later in the game, they're talking about he may burn again. They don't even see what's happening in front of them. And also Fox, by the way, they get to a good shot in the dugout. And then they immediately, instead of leaving the camera on an interesting conversation, they shoot to some fan with a towel on their head. You know, it's, 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 almost like, um, it, it's like pre-programmed, uh, di- uh, directing. They don't, they don't watch the game and what's happening in front. Watch the game. And what, that's what always made me a strong writer. I'm watching the game. I'm seeing things happening. Other guys are doing tweets. I can do two things at once. I can tweet and still watch the game. So it's really uh, a shame how the experts aren't watching the game.
3: One little thing I will say on Smoltz is uh, go back to the Baltimore series, the Sunday game where he talked about, how unanalytic Bochi was as a manager and how he was, right. that uh, was really good. succeeding. And I believe he got crucified, and he ah. probably got crucified by Major League Baseball. You're probably right, because, Will. Because yeah. so now he has to point out all of the things that they want pointed out as well. I was well, going to bring that up. Dave, I'm going to
2: jump in here, but I just thought of this, and it might get me in trouble, but I want to say it. I'm thinking of starting a new AA group, Analytics Anonymous. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That well, you, you know, you guys are right. He got called out uh, all over social media, and I'm sure MLB hammered Smoltz on it. But it was it was it was derogatory toward him. It was disrespectful. It, it 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 aged him. Like you know, who is he to talk about baseball? He doesn't know what he's doing. This guy's a Hall of Fame pitcher. He's one of the best relievers, best starters. Of all
3: his points were all truthful and oh, correct. No.
1: That's and I'm sure you're right. He got reprimanded by and yeah. the front office. On another guy, Kevin, you called this way back. Uh, Tommy Pham's having a great series. Yeah. I think six for it was six what, four for four the other night. Had a great moment where he passed up an at bat. But uh, what, what what went on with with Mike Maddox and him? Did you see that where Mike Maddox was yelling at him from the dugout?
2: I didn't really see it. I saw. I saw the follow. I didn't see it live, to be honest with you, because I can only take so much. And if an NFL game's on, I'm watching the NFL game too. You know, to be quite honest, because baseball gets with it. It's like somebody tweeted with me the other day. They, they, they said last night they sent out a note to me because I'm starting getting a following of people who are who, who are thinking. You know, like what's going on. So somebody said, "Hey, what? Anything new with the Soto Yankee situation?" And I put back, and, and it got a lot of responses. I wrote back. No, I am not paying any attention to the Yankees until they show me they care about baseball. And it's true, I don't care about the Yankees. Why should I spend an ounce of energy on the Yankees when Hal Steinbrenner is just counting his money, and 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 the, the analytic guys are running wild, making one bad mistake after another? I'm going to commit some some uh, mental uh, time to that, forget it. Forget the Yankees. So I've been watching a lot, so I I missed it live. But, again, I know Mike Maddox. I covered Mike Maddox. Mike Maddox is a fiery guy. He's Tommy Pham. Mike Maddox is Tommy Pham. You know, he just happens to be a pitcher who's Tommy Pham, and he wants to kick your ass. So I'm sure what happened, they made a good play, they got the pickoff, and it doesn't matter who it was, whether it was Tommy Pham or anybody, he's going to say – Like I made a joke about last night. Uh, After Walker got thrown at home, I said, "I I wonder if Mike Maddox yelled again." Hey, that uh, uh, dumbass Walker! You know, whatever. So that's a reaction in the dugout. It's a manly reaction, and they want to take all the manliness out of the game and all the competitiveness out of the game. Oh God, forbid he said something bad about Tommy. Tommy, I'm sure Tommy Fan laughed about Tommy Fan. You know, he. he, I've been on Tommy Fan. Uh, sh- a ship sailing with him because he cares about winning. It's that simple. He cares about winning. He wants to beat your ass. We need more players who want to beat your ass. Corey Seeger wants to beat your ass. He's quieter than Tommy Pham, but he's like Tommy Pham. And I think Bruce Bochy is quiet too, but he wants to beat your ass. There's too many guys in baseball covering it, playing it, Uh, broadcasting it. Who just want to be nice guys and always in it's. It's not a. We're not. We're not doing a a commercial for you know the United Way. You got to beat your ass, okay. You got to beat your opponent's ass. And Tommy Fan, God bless him, wants to do that.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that point of view because that was. I didn't see anything wrong with that. Those guys were teammates, I think, back in St. Louis, or uh, they were they were on the same team. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, they were together in St. Louis, so they probably know each other. Well, I'm sure. And been, he,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, that, and I joked with somebody had asked me. I said, if that were my son on second base, I probably would have said something similar to that. Uh, so, it's, yeah, I said it's normal. That's what, you know.
0: That's what
2: baseball guys do. <laughs> they talk yeah, like that. You know,
3: you, the, the clubhouses are – Filled with ball busters, you know, I mean, is that,
2: and Mike Maddox, you know, Will, he was one of the biggest, I I, I don't want to get into details, but he had some funny jokes, like running out of a toilet,
3: you know, and things that he would do, and I uh, think he was a, he was a big hot foot guy too, wasn't he? He's a big hot foot guy, you
2: know, and, and what do these guys all have, what what does Mike Maddox have? He has the competitive gene. Yeah, Bruce Bochy brought him in. He has Chris Young. Has Chris is quieter too, but he's he's got the competitive gene. He wants to beat your ass. All these other guys, you know, all these other guys that aren't in the play, are, you know, that aren't there. You know, and, and the big thing that he had with what was it, Jock Peterson, a few
3: years ago? Yeah, uh,
1: yeah.
2: He wanted to beat your ass in fantasy football.
3: Yeah, hey, uh, you know, while we're talking Chris Young, uh, then let's talk. Chris Young, Mike Hazen, and Will Venable all played for Scott Bradley at Princeton University. Scott Bradley's got to be a very, very proud uh, former major leaguer, great college coach at a great university uh, who who really has mentored some leaders, uh, as we can see. Um, and done a hell of a job at it. Uh, well, he
2: learned the Yankee way too, right? Way back. Job, when.
3: Yeah, yeah. Scotty came out of the. Yeah. Scotty came out of the the um, Yankees organization. I played against him. We were uh, we were teammates on the Florida in the Florida State League All Star Game in 1982. And by the way, and that was, was the
2: Brian Sabian, you know, lives the Yankees back. Yeah. Then. Oh yeah. He, yeah. He was so he might have even scouted them. So. So all these people that think these guys can't do anything because they're a certain age, the people that they taught well that have power still in power positions passed along those great lessons and that's why these guys are in the World Series now that's a great point will and, uh, and those it's a guys whole Bradley look, family it's a you know it's a, it's a sports and athlete you know yeah. it's, it's an athlete and family. They brought, so
3: do- you know uh, I think Chris flew him in to Texas for the first two games as his nice. guest. Nice, uh, which was which was really really neat. And Harold did the Princeton thing, but forgot to have his old teammate Scott Bradley, who they played together in Seattle, in the thing. <laughs> he only had the three big league guys there. You know, bring Scott on. He's you know he's the proud papa of that group. Come on, Harold. <laughs> yeah, Harold's
2: one of the few guys that still has a pulse and will do the right thing. So yeah. let's go, Harold. Let's go.
3: Is uh,
1: Br- Bradley's uh, latest assistant just got his first Division One head coaching job too? So he continues to develop leaders, as Alex Trzysinski, new head coach at Siena College, up in upstate New York. So he's he's done a great job. And lefty hitter, correct? Will three hundred yeah. average, didn't yeah. strike out a lot.
3: Go no, fake. no, he was a tough ball. tough out. Um, uh, 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 he was uh, he was my. Catcher, I threw. Uh, I gave up the only run. Our team won twelve to one. I gave up a leadoff triple, and I threw a, a knuckle curve in the dirt that got by him, and, and gave up the only run. And uh, um, the Mets' old manager that went to the World Series a couple of years ago was the manager, uh, Terry Collins. Yeah, Terry. Yeah, Terry. Terry, uh, when I came off, he goes, nice job, but you gave up the only effing run.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God forbid, if Terry, if you say that now to a young player, you know,
3: you'll be. Uh, oh, Terry. no, it, it, it was all good. It was, uh, I know. It, it was actually uh, the first year that the Florida State League did an all-star game. And it was it was either in West Palm or Daytona Beach. I forget where it was in 1982. My brother would uh, say, yeah, I yeah, might
2: have covered that game. He was a sports writer down south. And while you, you're talking all these great baseball comments and and real baseball people and real baseball language and dugout language, yeah. uh, let me read you one quote that I have in my column. And I can't pronounce the – I have a mental thing. I hate the word so much I can't pronounce it. But I'm going to read it to you, and it shows you where the great game of baseball is with its great leader, uh, Rob Manfred. This is a quote from him. The way that pitching is being used right now has caused a diminutis diminution, de, uh, diminution. What is that word? Diminish, diminishing. No, it's not diminishing. I would diminishing. be okay with diminishing. It's Diminution. 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 Yeah. yeah, in that kind yeah. of quality for, so, for some of our starters. Nobody around baseball talks like that. But that's the that's the commissioner of baseball talk. That's where we are in baseball legalese, lawyers. So that's where your game is at. That's why the NFL is blowing its doors off with baseball. That's why, not because of teams, but that's why um, it was the lowest rated uh, World Series game of all time, game one, with leadership like that.
3: Here, uh, I'll I'll, I'll get in trouble for this one, but I can't pass it up. Uh, uh, Dimunition is uh, what, the present president has done to our country. Yeah. He's diminished our country into a, a high misery index of high interest rates, inflation, uh, cost of living, just everything that's not not, not working real well right now.
1: I don't think you'll get any argument from our audience, and certainly not our newest uh, sponsor with Blackout Coffee. They'll be right on top of that. Well, with plus, you. you're
2: driving up to now with the gas. You know, I remember the good old days when you know we weren't weren't in two or three wars, and it was a dollar seventy nine a gallon.
1: Yeah, but it wasn't it was too long ago. What's
2: well, some mean tweets out there? But uh,
1: that, that's life, you know. Yeah. You must have got crushed on the way up from Florida to New Jersey with that.
2: Yeah. Well, we. I'm getting so good at it. I. I. I um. Here's all. Here's my tip of the day uh join these uh you know join these uh each gas station has its own like rewards card you don't have to do the card thing yeah but you can get the number and you get five to ten cents off a gallon I mean, at least it makes you feel like you're somewhat in control you know so uh we know where to get our gas and uh uh you know don't i tell you this don't get it in delaware at the biden rest stop
1: no what's it like 10 bucks a gallon uh, no, it's, 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 it's way more expensive free. than every other place yeah. we stopped at.
3: Way high. Now did you stop at Bucky's?
2: Stopped at Bucky's. It was off the charts crazy. It was so crazy. Yeah. Wife Ann and I talked about this. We may not stop on the way back. Because again, this is just the little things going on because and it's not Bucky's fault. They do a great job. People who work at Bucky's are tremendous. And and by, yeah. I got the three meat sandwich, so that kept me going for you know, I drove from Florida to Jersey in one shot. So the three meat sandwich carried, powered me the whole way, but I will say this: I am uh, the the lack of uh, cluelessness, the the cluelessness that's the word I want of people is off the charts. You know, the, you go into the bucket, and one of the so people understand too. One of the great things about Bucky's is the bathrooms are clean. Oh. That's one of the big things driving on, on the roads yeah. these days. Everything's gone south. That's actually that's one of my number one rules as a restaurant. I an old rest George Pernicano, he owned all these restaurants and he owned some great restaurants in San Diego. He was a part owner of the Chargers. He was called Road Dog, because he was eighty nine years old going out drinking all of us under the table at 89. And anyway, so he he would not give up his one or two percent, I forget how much he owned to the Chargers to the uh to, to, to the owners, and they hated him, but he he stuck to it. But he gave me one of the greatest restaurant tips ever. And it's two pronged. He says, You can tell a good restaurant by its onion rings and the cleanliness of its bathrooms. If both those things are good, it's a good restaurant, no matter where it is or it's who owns all- it or how fancy it is. Onion rings, cleanliness of the bathroom. So Bucky's has clean bathrooms. You want to go there, they do a good job with that. But it's a narrow hallway as you walk in and out. So, of course, you get the people coming out of the bathroom and I got to be careful here describing this, too. But I would just say the person, the gentleman in front of me decided with his friend here, there, you know, two two guys walking along and, uh, you know, um, decided to check his phone and just stop in the middle of the one hallway. So you, you it stopped the whole floor. And you're talking, I'm talking hundreds of people pouring into this. You know, it's like a, it's like yeah. going to the men's room at a halftime of a football game in the it's NFL. The dual,
3: the, the dual entrance. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. The men's so he's clogging up the whole leader. thing.
2: So I've gotten to the point now where I don't care. Uh, and I just say, hey, chief, move on. You know, something like that. So, it's, uh, that, so I, I think I'm about to slow down. Uh, I know I don't get a little sidetracked here, but I want to slow down maybe. Uh, you know, this was 10 a.m. On a, on, a, on a Sunday morning at Bucky's was madhouse.
1: Yeah, I wish you'd start videotaping some of these encounters. We could have little shorts throughout I the week. I'm
2: not to get sued, so.
1: <laughs> I, we got, I know Sal just joined us here as well. Hey, I wanted to ask uh, you guys your opinion on Merrill Kelly. I know he, he's a guy that survived failure in Major League Baseball. He had to go, I think, to the Korean League for a little while. What's been your impression of him?
2: I'll, I'll go real quick because Will knows a lot more. I
1: will just say this.
2: It's clear to me that Miracle's Kelly's had enough of analytics and those people running the game and basically wants to shove it down their throat. What's go he ahead. got to
3: lose?
1: He's yeah. going back to Korea? Am I right?
3: Yeah, he went to Korea. Um, uh, he's got a very, very clean delivery, which is something they still care about over in Asia. Um, they, you know, they had the fundamentals and we went into a lot of it with Dominic and Mark the other day that, uh, that it's not a cookie cut thing, but you got to have balanced direction and finish. And he does all that extremely well. Uh, he doesn't give a shit about how hard he throws. He makes pitches. He executes quality command pitches yeah. and he's got a huge chip on his shoulder when you look at his history, he didn't he, he didn't get a big scholarship out of high school. He went to a junior college, then he went to Arizona State, then he got drafted. He never really got much opportunity with Tampa because he wasn't a hard thrower. Um, he got DFA'd. He went over to Korea, came back, and now this year he started – uh, the championship game of the WBC, and he's pitched in the World Series. So he's landed on a really, really big stage, and he's performed his ass off on that Tough. stage. Um,
1: My son T- Tanner brought up a good point watching the game. Give him credit. He, uh, he Something simple that you guys talk about quite frequently. He goes, he stays over the rubber on every single one of his pitches. Every pitch.
3: Yep. He, 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 he never – Loses control of his body. You know, uh, you have to control your body. Sal co- will go into it all the time. You know, it's, you know, Bryce Harper has controlled violence in his swing, but it's controlled. A lot of other hitters cannot do that. You can't, you know, it's like people can't be Bryce Harper. Be who you are, control your body, do what you do well. And you're going to be more successful than trying to do more than you're capable of doing. Well, you know the how? other
4: part of that is you're, ahead, you, you, the other part of that is you have these guys that are training against themselves, and by that exactly. I mean why we've seen all these oblique injuries is because the exactly. type of training yep. they do for that is not it's not close enough. Well, let's put it this way: it's close enough to screw up these guys and it, it, to the To the uneducated, it looks like it's the same thing because it's rotation, but it's rotation at such a slower speed that it gets in the way of the movement pattern you need to actually swing like you need to swing as a major leaguer. That's why we have this uh, epidemic of uh, oblique and other injuries that you never heard of before. And
2: Garcia clearly hits the weight room. I mean, look at the size of him. And the... uh... The Merrill Kelly thing, one other point I want to make, yeah, yeah, he's pretty good, Will, but he's no Carlos Rodon. I mean, the Yankees knew what they were doing there. Great job, Yankees, by the way. Yeah, let's hear it for the Yankees. Clowns. But, uh, Sal, I want to ask you, and I'm glad you jumped on. I know you had a client and you're actually working stuff, but uh, what's uh, what's with the Achilles
4: injuries in football? I mean, is this just a freak thing? What's going on? Well, no, not, nothing's a freak thing at this point. The the thing that was very interesting to me is that most of the injuries, I think it was almost three quarters of them were on grass. So we can't use our culprit of the artificial turf, if, at least as far as the Achilles goes. And I don't know, we have to see the, the grass uh, um, ACL injury trend, but I think the first thing that crops up is the training. And then I think there are other, contributing factors, uh, environment in general, uh, the background, upbringing of their tra- their but it's their training, their history of training. And then you get into issues like nutrition and, and other environmental factors that are definitely on the list, but are not going to be the things, in my opinion, that are pushing this to the point where we have more Achilles already than we did in, in a season. So two, two quarterbacks too, Sal. That I'm aware. And, and, well, you know, Kevin, I you know I was just thinking about this before uh, I got on with you. For we've known each other and we've had this discussion for almost twenty five years. When it started, you would see these tricep tears, pec tears, Achilles tears in in guys using PEDs because what's happened in the old school PEDs, the steroids, is that the muscles were getting bigger and stronger, but the tendons were still your tendons.
3: You're so what was
4: what was happening was you were generating so much force from these, uh, these new big strong muscles that the tendons couldn't, couldn't handle it. So at some point, I think that has to be part of the discussion. It's almost like the third rail where people are afraid to bring that into the discussion. But with all of these injury, injury trends, the concept of PEDs, the specter of PEDs has to be considered. Your, this new generation of PEDs supposedly are able to increase the strength of the tendons, but in my opinion, there's still going to be some imbalance, and it's still unnatural. It's not, I don't believe, an ever-increasing scale uh, progressing upward where you can continually get bigger, faster, and stronger. And I think we may be at the point where we're pushing it, even with PEDs that are supposed to, do more to keep your ligaments and tendons stronger. And we're not talking about your grandfather's PEDs. No, correct. We're talking about, and, and you know, who knows? There's, Kevin, there's a lot of dummies out there. We've seen these guys, we've seen athletes test positive for s- stupid things. So who knows? There, there's so much, if they don't understand the basics of training, how could they possibly understand the complexities of what the PEDs could do? Both good and bad. So let me
2: ask a dumb question because I'm just wondering about it. it. It may not have anything to do with PEDs. It may, like you say, it could be training. But could these quarterbacks be training to such such a degree, like strengthening their legs for like quick releases, dropbacks, um, and getting their calves so strong that that could affect the Achilles
4: or? different muscles around there. Could that be? Well, sure. Because if I'm going to use another example, but when Kevin Durant tore his Achilles and and this has happened in basketball, they're, they're always rehabbing calf injuries. So what happens is, yes, this is my opinion. And, and, and Aaron Kevin Durant,
2: had a, That's why I bring it up. I think it could be just a
4: directly related to something as simple as over-training right. your calf injuries we've seen, but so though, but that still has a basis, uh, uh, has a root in, in training, in my opinion, but Kevin Durant, what they had done with him, they were rehabbing his calf, and I knew people that kind of knew knew what was going on, And, and what the protocol is, not necessarily specific to him, but the protocol for these calf injuries is they foam roll the hell out of those calves to the point where they take away all of the good stiffness. There's good and bad stiffness, so that muscle has no tension, and it becomes weak, and then the tendon has to take on more of a grunt in that chain of, of of producing the force and controlling all the factors you need to control. So there's definitely something to do where there's an, a relationship between these calf injuries, how they treat them, and then the subsequent Achilles.
1: How about ignoring the tibialis, Sal? And, um, is that the front part of the, the calf here? Does that have anything to do with the weakness?
4: Well, the- I, I don't think it's even the tibialis. There's the peroneus muscles that run along to the side. So if you take your finger, if you're sitting... And you take your hand and put it so that it's on your on your uh, shin and you feel the shin that go your shin bone. And then you just slide your hand, you slide your fingers an inch or so to the right. If it's your right hand on your right shin, you have there's to be peroneus muscles there that run from the top of your tibia there right under your uh, right to the side of your knee that runs all the way down and it covers your uh, ankle. And and I'm sorry, it goes over the front of your foot and it helps to control the ankle. So you get a lot of stiffness in those uh, muscles from all the overuse, the turf. And uh, the other thing, again, people smarter than I am that I go to also feel that there's an issue with taping ankles. And again, I was thinking that this weekend, for some other cases, they were talking about someone—I forget which game it was—that had a, an ankle issue. They taped it up, and the sideline reporter said they really taped it up, real tight, and they sent the, the guy back out. And I'm thinking, well, that just again alters the the chain and how the mechanics work on all of these high intensity activities.
2: By the way, so I want—I want because we have a lot of new listeners all the time. I, I want I, this is something we've covered in the past. But I want to get back to it because it just again you missed the first half of the show. But I was basically angry AMBS because of just dealing with people and what they're doing and how clowns they are. So I'm in. Uh, my wife had to get a tooth pulled the other day. We're in the uh, we're in the uh, the dentist's office and um, oral surgeon and some and now you, this is your fault, Sal. You 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 you've turned me into a, a monster with this some. Some young kid comes in with his mom. She's doing everything for him. He's never even, by young, I don't mean like a five or six year old, okay? We're looking like 10, 11, 12 typish. ish um, And he's, stra- he's, struggling. he's walking in with clogs. He's barely, you know, nothing wrong with the kid. He's not, you know, there's nothing crazy with the kid. He's just being lazy. So he's shuffling along with clogs. He's got his head in his phone. It gets to one point where he has to blow his nose. He kind of blows his nose, holds the tissue out, and the mother comes over and takes it and throws it in the garbage. Uh, wow. So, yes, yeah, so I had to bite my tongue, okay? You know, and um, but I didn't say a word. You know, Good for me. Uh, but, again, shuffling with cl- – I, everywhere I go now, I see kids, athletes wearing clogs. Tell us about that.
4: Oh, the clogs and the Crocs and the slides are all.
2: I I think I was wrong. I mean
4: Crocs. Well, I'll tell you what. There are one of the – I forget the brand. I don't want to even – if I knew it, I wouldn't say it. There's a brand of, quote, athletic Crocs that I see, and I know because my son who plays lacrosse in college, the team gets them, and they've sold this bill of goods to the – I guess to the powers that be that somehow these are good for your feet. They're all the Crocs and the if, if, even if it is clogs or if it's slides or Kevin, it could be as simple as untied shoes that are supposed to be good for you. Good sneakers untied. I see that all the time with male and female athletes. I have to tell these kids who come into me, you have to tie your shoes for the workout because the foot doesn't work that way. And the slide and the Crocs, your foot never goes through the full range of motion. You never strengthen and flex and extend the foot the way it's supposed to be working and then it just gets locked in and I I know personally over the summer out of laziness I throw I throw slides on pretty regularly and I know I could feel the difference in my calves my calves never were tight and they get tight from that so they're terrible for your feet get rid of them yeah yeah maybe yeah, uh, maybe the uh all the uh Achilles are related to Crocs who knows well it's yeah it's a life it's it's a life you know you, these 30 year olds I mean, when I started coaching, I coached with young guys. I was always kind of the older guy. Um, slides have been around now in, in full force for 30 years where people wear them as everyday shoes. So if you have a 30-year-old NFL guy or a baseball player, they've been wearing them their entire life. And when these, ki- I know for a fact when these kids go play a lacrosse tournament, the first thing they do is take their shoes off and put their slides on. Yeah, I see it all the time. You're right. And I want to jump to Will real quick. Uh, Will, does the
2: do the Diamondbacks have to throw another strike to uh, Corey Seager the rest of the series with Garcia probably out?
3: Yeah. I you know he's for me he's a guy that that, that that's not going to beat me, you know uh, kind of what they did at times with Harper and Schwarber, um, you know I he he's an aggressive guy. Why throw him something in the zone? When he's always proved to be an aggressive guy, um, you can't make the mistakes that they've made a couple times to him. So,
2: yeah, it's going to be hard for uh, you know Bochy's going to have to find a way to get some offense. I know they've had big offenses, but uh, somebody's going to have to step up if Garcia's is out because that's uh, you know that's that that's
3: a big blow. Is he out or is he out? Uh, yet he's
2: not or- out. This is just me seeing him. Yeah. You know, I, I saw the swing. I saw it happen with the swing. Of course, yeah. I didn't see it on TV until after the commercial when he's laying basically on the side at first base. But I saw it in the swing, and yeah. just you know, seventy years of being on Earth, and now the last you know, thirty you know, since two thousand, all these injuries happening. To me, I saw that injury, and I say, "He's done." You know, he's yeah. done. That's a, that's. A, I said it immediately. Uh, you know that that that. You know, Bip Roberts was the first time I ever saw that injury, so I've been watching him forever, and uh, it seems to me like he's done.
3: Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to go to Grossman, and uh, you know, Simeon's going to have to step up. Lowe's got to step up. Uh, you know, the kid Evan Carter—we're watching him turn into a superstar as we speak.
2: And we called that before the, before the playoff started. That was my comment. Watch Evan Carter; he's going to be a great player. And again. Another guy, Baseball America, he wasn't in your top 500 prospects. No, so no, there's that, no. folks. Listen to your experts. Find real experts, not these experts that think they're experts.
4: Right. Well, again, and look at look at the injuries that we're dealing with here with Texas at the end of a season. Now, granted, Scherzer's an older guy. He had to leave the game because of tightness of his back, stiffness of his back, whatever term. I don't know if anything's come to light since then. But Garcia, again, we talked about the obliques, and he's got this injury from swinging. So you look at a guy; he's you know a pretty muscular guy for a baseball player. Not something that's necessary to hit the ball a great distance, as we've talked about before. You have to start thinking: at what point do these off-field preparations start getting in the way? That these—I'm sure Kevin and Will, these guys are lifting during the oh, yeah. during the season. So that's an injury after that's games, the, uh, Sal. Sal, they're lifting after games, right? So that that's this unseen. Um, what's it? The law of unseen circumstances or unseen repercussions, ramifications. You don't see these guys working out. You don't, re- and the average person's not thinking that. But it, again, it goes back to what we've talked about. You, you're getting hurt doing the basics of the game. It's not like he ran into the wall or they collided or it was some crazy slide where the body was contorted you have scherzer's pitching and this and and garcia's swinging the back and they're hurt so and and so kevin um uh, dave and i talked about this i don't know if we t- touched on it here but the outcomes are indicating a failure of the system the absolutely oh, no and they, but again Sal, so I, I can take 10 things in any
2: baseball game and say the system is failing, but they keep going back to the system, whether it's analytics or whatever, throwing the first pitch change up to Corey Seager. Everything in baseball, for the most part, is failing. <laughs> everything. So it's yes. – and, and I don't want to you hear – and wait, let me just get this out, but to this generation that, that knows everything and thinks we're, we're you know, old fuddy does or whatever – these are not the greatest in-shape athletes of all time. I just read a book about Ted Williams, um, uh, and, and somebody else is reading a Ted Williams book now, too, but this was a different book. This was about uh, the, the Air Corps, and, uh, you know, of course, Williams was a World War II pilot and a Korean—well, well, he went down to, I think it was North Carolina, University of North Carolina, what they did in um, World War II, and they basically took all the greatest um Like, they took all the Souths of the world that they had in 1942 or 41, and they put them all in North Carolina, and they figured out ways to get these guys in shape. Ted Williams, when he was down there, did everything to the 10th degree, finished first in everything. And it wasn't weightlifting. It was all these other things. But he was the best in shape athlete ever in, in those war years when he came back. So I don't want to hear any more about these guys that are great. These guys, like Sal said, they swing a bat and they get hurt. Come on.
4: They re, they've redefined what in shape is, which it, it becomes... Are you trying to tell
2: me, Sal, that they're changing uh, definitions of words? Yes, Boy,
0: that of course. Sounds
4: like, that sounds like real life.
2: That's
4: yeah, right. that's, it's what's going on, right? All of a sudden, you're being told someone is in better shape because they could lift a, a certain a weight, which is totally ridiculous. And again, I'm going to go back to the uh, interview with David Epstein, who compared what Jesse Owens did to Usain Bolt, and when you allow for all the advances in uh, in technology, both in equipment and in track and in shoes and all that, there's really not much difference between the two. So we're, we're beating ourselves senseless over this training function, and instead of focusing on making athletes more resilient, there is this nonsensical obsession with bigger, faster, stronger on this never-ending upward progression which is ruining people, and you're getting people that can just survive the process. You're not getting people who are thriving through the process.
3: Well, you know, when when I signed, uh, baseball players were told not to lift weights, yet they stayed healthy on the field way more than they do now. Um, you know, you as a parent, if you have a child that you turn over to a major league baseball team. They sign out of high school or college, and you think that they're going to t- you're going to take care of my son's health. Um, and we've we've documented the numbers on our podcast many times, right, Dave? Yeah, forty five thousand missed days with the twelve hundred players at nine hundred and sixty eight million dollars this year. Well, we are, I mean, not, I mean, we, we are not taking care of our players, the pushing them be. Go back to this, but I wrote that
4: article about bridge building versus major league pitchers. And since they kind of tried to address the problem with Tommy John surgeries, it's gone from less than 20 percent. And I think this was in an eight or nine year period that from less than 20 percent of rosters had pitchers with Tommy John to now over a third of major league rosters have pitchers. So it's right,
3: up to like, what, 38%, I think, it's right? It's
4: abject failure. It's total failure. It's, again, comparing it to the bridge. If you woke up this morning and every morning for the next, uh, for the next couple of days there was a, a new bridge that collapsed, there'd be an emergency on our hands and people would reevaluate. Here
2: well, we here have to the- do it with that 968 million. That's another 968 million. What a waste of money. We could have sent that money to Ukraine. Yeah. Well, you
3: know, I, you, you know, uh, again, we'll you, know, the next booster. you know, uh,
0: yeah.
3: you know, yeah, but
0: the
3: you know, follow, uh, all, all I'll say is follow the money. How many strength, and I, I know you do it, Sal, you do it to actually help kids, but there's a lot of people out there that have no idea what they're doing to that are carving out programs for baseball players that aren't working. And we're, we're, we're hiring them to work in our organizations. So it's like, you know, you know, the the guy you're bringing in to prevent injuries is causing more injuries than he's than he's preventing. Well, that so. sounds familiar. Yeah. So if, a,
4: they, if They took these training facilities, these weight rooms out of the facilities and changed the, the way they approach things, get rid of the squat rack, the heavy dumbbells, have a couple of Olympic plates, a couple of Olympic bars, and you actually taught these guys how to move, I would guarantee you, and again, who's going to take that chance? Who's going to be the one organizationally that says, well, you know what, we might be getting these guys that come in from high school and college with a fair amount of damage, but let's see if we could prevent it from getting worse instead of exponentially increasing the risk that they're going
3: to blow their arms or whatever other body part out. Well, baseball players grew up doing baseball movements. That's how they became good. They didn't grow up in weight rooms squatting <laughs> and pressing right. and curling. They grew up playing baseball. You know, Ted Williams and Corey you know, Seager,
2: Corey Seager looks like a Ted Williams type, you know, yeah, type you know, I'm
3: talking about. But you, you know, I mean, as much power as Harper has, Harper is really not a muscle bound guy. He's not a
2: beast. No, he's not a no, beast.
3: He, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's kind of strong, compact strong, but he's not muscle bound. Um, Same with Aaron
2: Judge. You know, I remember, yeah, I, I, Aaron I remember Judge. talking to, to Judge about that and, uh, he kind of changed his routine. You know, he, he, he got more, um, you know, uh, he got more flexible,
3: for lack of a better term. You know, uh, you know look at Corbin Carroll. He hit 25 home runs, hit 280, steals bases. You know, uh, I was with a veteran scout the other day who said, you know, arguably, is he maybe the best impactful player in the game right now? When you look at that speed and that defense and the ability to steal bases, the ability to put the ball in play, the ability to hit 25 home runs, he's not that – That's what
2: baseball has to get away from, Will. they got to get away from the one-trick ponies like the stands. Yeah. yeah. Get to the Corbin Carrolls. And the Yankees, yeah. by the way, you know, because I've, I've been ripping on the Yankees, the Yankees will never do that because they haven't figured it out, what they're doing. And, and uh, you know, they got their own things going on now. Uh,
3: well, uh, weight weight training. Huh. Eric Cressy okay. will get it all straightened out for him.
1: You think strategically, they traded Montgomery so that somebody could finally beat the Astros.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and you know what's going to happen too. At some point, Montgomery's running out of gas. We can see it now because it is. It's a strain, and they, you know, Bochy had to use them to clean up the one game in, in relief. So. At some point, the Yankee nerds will come back and say, well, if you look at his overall thing, it wasn't that great. They don't know. Here's what, here's what I can say about the Yankees, and I'm going to make it real simple, real short from what I know. And not, this is not everybody in the organization because there are some good baseball people, but the people making decisions for the Yankees don't know baseball.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I had promised, promised you, Kevin, that I wouldn't let you forget, but you wanted to talk about the art of punting today.
2: You're punting
1: with the Jets and the Giants.
2: Oh, of course! Thank you for reminding me. Twenty, I think you know.
1: I think twenty-four punts,
2: and, and and Sal's the football coach. But I think the Jets and the Giants should both put on their high high highlight reels just those punts. That should just be it. I mean, it's uh it's a. Uh, it, you know, I was talking. I was saying how good the NFL. Well, well, that game. I had to listen to that whole game. I was a captive audience. I couldn't leave. I couldn't change the station. I was driving, so I had to listen to every damn player that game. It was the worst football game I think I've ever uh, encountered, any level. And I've covered football for many years. Played high school football. Loved football. And 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 Brian Dayball at the end of the game. I had and I also had to listen to the post game because it was on the. Uh, you know, I, I got to listen to the questions and I, I allege questions and the ball and Dave Debol, Ball's answers like I understand the question, but I'm not going there yet. Worst coach, I, worst coaching performance ever right there. That's right up there with anything from the Jets back in the day with some of the clowns they had to have that lead, that ball at that point in the game and to find the only way they could lose it. Was missing a field goal and clearly you know it's not the same there's something going on with his leg and and by the way if anybody's why because I was on the, I was doing it on radio but uh, you know Bob Popper's is great Carl banks is great let me let me compliment those guys um, and they made the point right away that that point that block would have been uh, that kick would have been blocked because it came right through the middle and the Giants' special teams are joke to me, football coaching is winning games when you got to lead late in the game and also what your special teams do. I'm telling you right now, Dable is a terrible coach, and I've been around. I was there for the fumble. This is worse than a fumble.
3: Uh, I, I, Kevin, i got to tell you, I turned it off. You know Stella's a painter, and she's doing a, a, an animal painting, and I turned it off just to watch the paint dry here uh one sunday because it was that bad of a game so,
2: so what do you, What would you do if you were if you you're a football coach what do you do if you got the lead there and that with that much time on the clock and plus getting off sides uh on the one play which stopped the clock i mean it couldn't have been any worse than that that isn't the, the fumble was just one dumbass play it happened you know but this was like a continuation of like three or four mindless plays
4: well it's just i don't again i think there's we're we're at that point of we've talked about this from the beginning of this show way back the concept of anti-fragile versus fragile the nfl has built a system that is so fragile that they cannot handle something that's a normal course of sports which is a player being hurt and that sets the wheels in motion to have everything fall apart again there's only a couple of teams that have a good backup that is able to continue to try to do what the team would normally do with their first string in there. And it's just, a, I think it's a reflection of how overly structured and controlled football has become. And I think there's other things too. You know, a lot of people don't realize in the CBA, they can't practice as much. And by weeks, they don't have as much time to practice. Uh, I was, I'm was i familiar with a, a player who um, was on the Giants and said what this new CBA did was, these players have off the whole week of bye week, whereas in the old CBA, yes. they had yes. off the weekend and would come back in the Tuesday a normal, a normal practice yeah, and then have a normal week and they but they'd have an extra week, but it would be basically a couple right. of days off. So there's all of these things. That's why tackling sucks. Tackling sucks at every level because practice time has been cut back and contact time has been cut back.
3: So also, you can- I think uh, timing with receivers and. In- quarterbacks because they don't run full speed uh patterns and guys don't run good patterns. Uh there's just a lot of half ass effort on that. But just watch, you know, to me a lot of the quarterbacks are not in sync finally starting to get there now that we've gotten yeah, eight seven weeks eight weeks in season. Well, having
2: settled um, – yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut No, you. no.
3: I, I, that, that's something that I noticed, that, you know, that –
2: Well, you were a quarterback, so you realize yeah. that, and you need that timing. And they, they need to work all offseason with this, you know. Right. And, and, but here's the thing. The, the Giants' failure – and I know, you know, the Giants' failure – and, again, I've, I've been a lifelong Giants fan, so I've seen failure. And uh, um, it's on every level. First of all, like Sal said – you're already playing with a backup who gets hurt all the time. Taylor gets hurt all the time. So now you got a kid, Sal, uh, what was his name? Tommy DeVito. I used to coach a kid named Sal DeVito. That's why I call him Sal for it, right there. But Tommy DeVito, and I saw him in the exhibition season. He's pretty decent. You know, he knows what he's doing. Uh, but they had no trust in him, and they had no plan. They didn't get a backup quarterback. So having said all that, they still have the lead – end the ball with no time left in the game and manage to blow it. It's, it's, it's still I, – I, I, don't, I don't think any giant – if I were a giant fan, I would never spend another penny on that team until they made changes.
1: Did you guys see – You
4: know, we're in this area where we've heard this BS excuse, New York fans are too impatient to get a rebuild. Meanwhile, the Mets, Yankees, Knicks, and both football organizations stink. I think that we have this aura of the giant New York football giants and invincibility or some kind of level of excellence in that organization. I think they're one of the worst-run teams in pro sports. By far.
2: And also, the Jets won the game, and I give them credit to win with their backup quarterback who who always finds a way to lose the ball somehow, but he did make two great throws there. But they also committed 100 100 yards of penalty. Dumb personal foul. They shouldn't have won that game in no way. They handed the game to the the Giants are so bad and Dable is so bad that they, they can't even take a game that was handed to them and just stick it in their pocket by you know running the clock down there and then playing some defense. It's a joke.
1: Yeah, do you guys followed the watch the game a little bit live? I, my sister in law took our niece to her very first NFL football game, and it was that Giants Jets game. Oh. And the irony of it. A couple things we talked about on the show, she got to watch a, a, an awful game, first of all, but it was pouring rain, freezing cold the entire game, and then they rewarded them by going in overtime, and then just like you talked about Bucky's bathrooms, Kevin, <clears throat> poor kid slipped in a wet bathroom uh, on their hurt, hurt her, hurt her backside on the way out, so got to watch the worst football game maybe ever, pouring rain, slipped in a wet bathroom. And uh, I kind of I joked. I said, is "That your last time going to base football game?" Sweetie, she just kind of nodded her head. Absolutely. There's so, no,
3: and there's there's no traffic leaving the. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's, it's, my gosh! It's uh, I would have went and got three root canals on that day. Just to... right.
2: Well, the uh, I'm lucky enough to have seen the Giants in Giants Stadium, and that was an experience. Going, I was like 10 years old at the time. I think I forget what how old I was. But that that made an impression on me. These were the monsters of the midway back then, you know, that, that kind of midway. And, and and it was a great experience. So to have a, a negative experience like that, it shows you. But that shows you how bad baseball is because baseball can't even uh, figure out how to beat football. How about the fact that baseball is so gutless now? They don't they didn't even have a World Series game on a Sunday because
4: they don't want to go up against the NFL in any way. Well, what, I'm sure you talked about it. They're, they know what their ratings are. You can't. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, we talked about. It. You know, you can't go against that trend. It's embar- it's embarrassing. Well, I bet you. I don't know what the local ratings are, but I bet you most local NFL games draw more than nine million fans or whatever it was for that World Series game. Well, they
2: still got the. They know what they're doing, except for the Giants Jets, of course. You knew it was going to be a bad game, but I didn't take into account that the. And it gets back to what you said, Sal. And I know Will wants to talk about Yogi Berra, and we'll get to that in a second, which has gone over today. But that's all right. Um, um, I didn't take into account that Dable was so was so scared of winning, and and such a scared. It's a good thing I wasn't at that post game pe- press conference. That's all I can say, because because I you know I've got myself in trouble. And, and 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 Pat, the longtime PR guy for the Giants, is the greatest guy in the world. He would have he probably would have throttled me. But uh, I I mean I, my my question would be was, are you so scared of winning? That you have, And you have no faith in your – first of all, you, well, how do you expect yourself, your, your team to win when you don't allow your quarterback to even throw any passes and you put it all on Barkley's shoulders? Then you still have the lead and you don't even have any trust in your players and you go for a field goal. Well, that is – that. I would say how come – did you always coach that way? Did you always – this would be my question. Did you always coach scared coach or is this something new? And then they got to answer that. Wow. Yeah, that would be a good one. Because that's the other thing now, too. People don't know how to ask questions. It's the either or, this or that. Ask a direct question. Coach, after watching that, I saw a coach who coach scared. Were you always a coach who coach scared, or is this something that you were scared today? And let him answer that question.
4: I mean, it was, it was really embarrassing, again, to think that that's the guy that won coach of the year last year. I... To oh. me, I think the way they played – and people are going to say, well, they have injuries. Face it, fellas. The Jets have had the biggest injury uh, faced by a team to start the season. And four plays. Four plays. First, right? first, first, and, again, people maybe not, may not love Salah. Maybe were critical of him during the game for whatever reason. But look at their defense. Never stopped. And again, give credit to the Giants defense. The Giants defense was awesome as well. Also, awesome. but that's that's the thing. It, awesome. Those guys, guys figured out a way to win. And you and, and Kevin, you just said it. The Giants were playing and coaching to lose. That to, or not to lose. And that is never a good formula.
2: No, Salah has got I will say this about Salah. He's got guts, you know. He's got guts. You can tell he's got guts. Yeah. But no guts from the Giants and no guts in – uh and and when you when you lose and all the special teams mistakes they made as well, it's uh it's really something. And you n- you nailed it, uh, Sal. But uh, the state of sports in New York is terrible. Let's go back to something that when state the state of sports in uh, New York is great. And I know, Will, you watched the Yogi Berra documentary this week on Netflix. Yeah, uh, I, give uh, us a little uh, review. Go ahead.
3: I'm gonna just tell everybody to watch it. Um, you know, first of all. Like, when you say Yogi Bear, everybody goes, oh, gosh, he was so funny. My gosh, he was one of the greatest baseball players that have ever played. When you look at his numbers and, the, and how many championship teams he was the leader of, just by what he showed up and did every day, um, how beloved he was how beloved he was as a coach and a manager when he got into doing that and how the players absolutely loved him. He speaks to what we speak about. uh, um, People that are really good at, at coaching and making a positive impact. They're genuine. They're real. He's genuine. He's real. He cares about people. No, no Immunition-type words or whatever, all the fancy bullshit Ivy League words. It's just simple stuff that they kept talking about after the fact that all of his yogiisms, when you step back, they all make 100% common sense.
2: He was a, in a way, right? Well, he
3: was a baseball genius. He was a baseball genius. Just everything about him... Uh, cared about everybody, treated everybody good. I was so fortunate uh, late in his life when he came back to the Yankees, he stayed at my hotel. He was an early riser. Uh, I would go down every morning and he you know, was very friendly, You know, drinking coffee in the morning and I'd ask him some questions. He'd answer my questions. Uh, Stump Merrill would come down. Some other scouts would come down and we would have – Unbelievable time, and this is an hour and a half that will keep you engaged. It will make you realize that it speaks to everything that's right about baseball with him versus everything that's wrong about baseball now. Um, you know, and then, you know, watch all of us that are into sports, watch him run for, for a catcher. Watch him swing the bat, how pretty his swing was. Watch him block balls. Watch him throw runners out. All these things that he did at such a level. But, um, and the the movie starts out or the documentary starts out that the five greatest living players and they had Johnny Bench ahead of him. Johnny Bench was a great player, but he wasn't better than Yogi Berra. Yogi had more rings, better offensive numbers, better defensive numbers, played longer, um, played in more all-star games, won more MVPs.
4: Has there ever been a guy that got uh, voted in the MVP 15 years in a row like he did? I mean, that's got to be.
3: Yeah. you, You know, they point all the, Sal, this is such a fabulous thing. And then, like friends of mine on Facebook, like Kent Merker, you know, he and I exchanged something, and he put something out. Everybody, you got to go watch this. And you know, Kevin, I know you had people in the media that told you how well done it was. For for any of us that love baseball and love the, the nostalgia and the romance of baseball, just go watch it. And you know, the connection he had as a father uh, with his and a husband and a friend with everybody in baseball and how beloved he was. It's really, really, really. What about that
2: one stat line? I think you mentioned uh, to me the other day with uh, his, his strikeouts and what he hit and everything else.
3: Yeah. The one year when he won the MVP he hit three twenty-two. he had 28 home runs, drove in 124 runs and he struck out 12 times.
1: Will, your point to the documentary, his granddaughter, Lindsay, who we had on, on yeah. one of our earlier shows, she narrated the entire documentary. Oh, yeah,
3: she was fabulous.
1: She was. She had the same problem that we all have here, that she felt like her grandfather was just being overlooked in yeah. terms of greatest player of all time, even greatest catchers of all time. Yeah. And just uh, maybe his personality or whatnot, or this. he was surrounded by all these other great players, just that's, never thought of in that context, and he certainly should be.
3: Dave, Let me tell you a quick started. story. Got, it, got, well, got I anything. was just going to say Go ahead, Go. that's how it started. Lindsay is—they're showing the five greatest players, and she says, "I'm sitting at home with my <laughs> grandpa," and you know he, you know he's sitting there, and she goes, grandpop, you should be in here." He goes, "Yeah, I ain't dead, am I? <laughs> you know, something like that, you know." Uh, and she goes, you know, something like, I don't think I'm dead, am I? I I was a pretty good player too. And she goes, Yeah, you should be You should have been there, Grandpa. You were one of the greatest players ever.
2: Yeah, he uh I, Lindsay, I think, is uh his son Larry's uh, daughter. And um, uh yeah, I know Lindsay well, you know, through the years, obviously, and she did a great job with that. And yeah. she knows her baseball. But the other yep. point I want to make, you know, I, I interviewed Yogi a bunch of times, ran into him all the time, would always enjoy talking to him, sitting down you know, go, go to his museum and sit there and talk with him for like half hour, 40 minutes. Um, it was always a great time. But I, I was talking to somebody a couple of years ago who was in, um, he was, a, he, he would help out in the, uh, again, I don't know anything about this business, but the whole, uh, you know, autograph business. And uh, this guy was, like he would chaperone the players around. So he had, this is a great story on Yogi. He had Yogi, I think it was up in Atlanta somewhere. And he actually went to, you know, he went to breakfast, went to dinner with Yogi and um, had a great dinner with Yogi. Um, and then uh, after the dinner ended, um, the other guy was in charge of like paying for it and, and gave him you know, a typical, you know, 15 to 20, 20 percent tip at least, you know. So Yogi, because he, he didn't have to pull out his credit card or any money. He went back and he, he, he had a tough situation growing up. I think with, with his family were very hard to make money and things like that. He went back and the waitress was a, a nice uh, Italian lady, kind of reminded him of his mother. He went back on his own. This guy was there, saw so it all happen. Just went back, pulled out 500 bucks and gave it to, to the waitress. So that's Yogi wow. Berg.
3: Yeah. You know, I, uh, one, one funny story, we went down one morning in spring training and he had a big cut on his chin. And uh, said, you know, geez, what happened, Yogi? He said, ah, they gave me them damn turf shoes in the carpeting in the clubhouse. I was walking over to my place to go eat my sandwich, and I got the turf shoes caught in the carpet, and I went down. I didn't want to lose the sandwich, and I went chin first into the carpet. Jeez. <laughs> you know, and it was just, you know, I mean, here's this Hall of Fame guy, you know that I'm getting to know in the mornings there, and always enjoying talking to. Just you know, just a a yogi thing. You know, I did not want to lose my sandwich, so I didn't. I didn't. I didn't put my plate down to break my fall.
1: Some <laughs> something we'd all do probably. Yeah. I uh, that's been a great episode, guys. Any any closing remarks? I think it's a great way to kind of close it out there. Y- yogi uh, should I'm celebrate.
2: good. I'm good.
1: I- well, with, uh, with our audience here, episode 334, Coach and Kernan gave you a great one today. Covered everything from Bucky's to punting to Yogi and uh, the World Series stuff. And appreciate the effort of our guys here. Make sure you follow Kevin on Ball 9. Uh, read both his stories every single week. It's a great read, and that's an understatement. Make sure we catch Will at the end of the week with Will and Mark, a day at the yard, Common Sense Pitching with Wiley and Will. We've got Jim Palmer on this week with them. And the Hot Corner with Coach Sal, always a good one to close out the week late Friday. Uh, To our newest uh, friend uh, in the coffee industries, Blackout Coffee, if you guys want some some great coffee and want to get some people that are about being awake and not being woke, go to Blackout Coffee, type in the code DAVID, D-A-V-I-D, 20, all capital letters with the letters, and you'll get 20% off your purchase at checkout. And for our guys here, guys, thanks for a great show today. Great, great content, and our audience should enjoy this one. And have a great week. Enjoyed it,
3: guys.
0: Bullshit pay so I can sit out here and waste my life away Drag back home and drown my troubles away It's a damn shame What the world's gotten to for People like me People like you Wish I could just wake up And it not be true But it is